0: Hello, and welcome to a special edition of Money Matters, hour number two, if you will. And of course, as I like to say and remind people, these are my opinions, my opinions only. And if I happen to talk about a stock, a sector, whatever, even a mutual fund, it it certainly isn't a recommendation to be in your portfolio. I have no idea what your objectives are. And that would just be absurd to say, everybody should own Apple. Okay, well, I... Wish everybody did, but that does, that's that's you, you get the point, okay? All right, this is going to be called Dow One Million. That's the name of this particular start. Why Dow One Million? You radically weird person who says out of the box things because that's all you have to think about with the market. And I, I want to dive into a lot of different things, but I just love that whole thought process if you will it's a John Templeton thing it's it allows me to tell another story that I love to tell these stories because it reminds me of the moment and it was a special moment to me when you get to meet your hero in person under circumstances you had no idea to expect and it's really just a one-on-one situation so I will tell you prior to 9-11 getting to the Bahamas was pretty easy if you didn't happen to have a passport who cared If you had a driver's license for the US, they let you on. After 9-11, that didn't happen. And I was going to the Bahamas for a Templeton meeting. That's where their headquarters was. Um, Tough duty. I know what you're thinking. That's really hard to go in January or February, whatever it was, to the Bahamas. But I went and saw a friend of mine in St. Petersburg and uh, the day before, on the way to the airport, we were both going. I suddenly remembered that I did not bring my passport. So nice guy he was. He threw me the keys to his car, told me to go back and check into the hotel. When I was done, but we would try as we had before. Well, it didn't work. The people were very sympathetic, and but they weren't. I was not getting on the airplane. So I had to have it, have my passport, you know, overnighted back in the next day. Bummer. Missed the first meeting, first day, meetings. And that was a f- good friend of mine that happened to run Templeton World Fund at that time. His name was Jeff Everett. And I really wanted to see him. And uh, so I thought, well, I can go hang out on the beach or I can go – across the island and you know it's not that far away and go see Jeff so I did and got a cab over there and it's he looks out the window after we visited a a bit and and he goes you want to go see Sir John I said you have gotta be kidding me is he here yeah let me go let me go see if he's available boom Ten minutes later, we're ushered into his uh, office, and there he is, and we had a nice, wonderful conversation that I never would have had had I not done something so stupid as to forget my passport. You see, you can't plan magic. It just happens in your life, and and that was one of those things. You just kind of go, wow, that was really a bad thing. Really? I wouldn't have gotten to meet. John Temple. I've met him before, but I met him in one of those settings where you take a picture and you get a photograph with 50 other people. I never met him. This time I, had to, I got to converse with somebody who I so admired and built my career trying to emulate him. He always thought generationally. He, he was the one that said there, to Lewis Rukeyser on Wall Street Week, I believe it was like 1980 when the market was just terrible. Because I remember this when I started. It was at 800 on its way down to 750 before it turned around. And he told Louis Rutkaiser that he thought there was a 50-50 chance that the Dow Jones Industrial Average would reach 3,000 by the end of the decade. Well, of course, we all know it did. In 1987, it crossed it. And then it crashed in a day. And then it recrossed it again. And off we go. He was right. But what was he doing with that? Was he making a future prediction of some bizarre calculation? The answer is no. It's just normal compounding of returns. When I was there and talked with him with him, he was about to turn 90 years old the next day, or next week excuse me and he told me he was going to tell Louis Rukeyser that there was a 50/50 chance over the next 100 years of the Dow Jones Industrial Average reaching 100,000. And I said, Sir John, what's the math on that? He said, I don't know, actually. I haven't done the math. And I said, well, I'm surprised you haven't. But I'll bet that is not an actually a super high rate of return. And he said, no, it wouldn't be. you know. And so we talked about it. It's just directional is all. This is a 90-year-old thinking about the future of the market. We can all learn from that and think, we don't have to be precise. We just need to have the direction. And what is the direction? The direction is that the Dow Jones Industrial Average, the S&P 500, the market, hits all-time highs, and then has corrections, and hits more all-time highs. The direction is relentlessly higher relentlessly up, relentlessly better than any other investment. It's relentless. As human, if you will, initiative, innovation continues. So do the corporations of the world continue to grow. It's just a matter of time. We do not have to predict. We already know that this will happen. It always happens. So when we sit around and make predictions, we oftentimes, and that's what this time of year is, I predict the Dow will go up, the S&P will go up by 8 or 10% this year. We think earnings are going to be, we think interest rates are, why don't we go ahead and guess about Bitcoin as well? I think gold, fill in the blank. And we make all these predictions and believe it or not, some people actually like like move portfolios on this nonsense. I mean, they really do. And imagine how invaluable it is to be able to ignore that. So when we think about that, we think directionally, the market's up, it's up most years, it's up almost every five-year period, almost every 10-year period, and it is up every 30-year period, all the time. Up, 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 up. Nope, but this time, why, why we even go there in our mind well it's never been like this or whatever we fill in our our busy brains with why it won't work out this time when if we think about what the greats are telling us and we think about just recently of course Charlie Munger passed away now who's Charlie Munger well he's basically a little bit smarter than Warren Buffett, according to Warren Buffett and the people around him but he's his partner So he's his more quiet partner. That's who Charlie Munger is. He died at 99 years old, almost 100, almost 100. That was only two weeks, two, three weeks ago. So Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett, people like that say things like, well, Warren Buffett just said it this this year, just a few months ago, reiterating it again. He was asked, of course, because we're all asked in this industry, seems to be the thing. What is your mar- outlook for the market? And his answer was, uh, we don't have a market outlook. We never have had a market outlook. And we never will have a market outlook. Next question. There is no need for a market outlook. Why people do this, I don't know. Uh, stocks are cheap. Stocks are dear. We need to do this. And what about this? What about interest rates? What do you think the Fed's going to do? I don't know. But I know when interest rates are zero... I don't want to own bonds. That's kind of a good start on making a decision. There's nothing predictive about that. You don't have to predict that in a zero interest rate environment with a 10-year treasury below inflation rate, that your net expected return after inflation is a negative number. It's a negative number. You know, and yet people are predicting interest rates. Well, I think they'll rise. Well, I don't care if they rise. Doesn't matter. I don't own any bonds. Doesn't matter. I think they're going to rise a lot. A little. I think they're going to go down this year. What, from 1.5 to 1.25? I mean, this just goes on as if there's some kind of magic in this. And then we ignore Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett, John Templeton, Peter Lynch, Michael Price, where are their market predictions for all those years? What do you mean they didn't have one? Well, how would they ever predict what they ought to be buying and selling? Because they're just buying companies. They're not buying the market. Well, you know, I just, uh, I just like listening to it. Really, that's great. Because financial pornography will lead you really closer to the truth. It's, good, it's really good to use up all the file space in your brain. To have all this crazy jibbering, jabbering back and forth, it adds a lot of clarity. I meet a lot of people that just say, man, if I could just have more noise going on in my head, I think I'd think clearer. I think I'd be wiser. I'd be a lot wiser person if I could just have more noise going on in my head. So who's right? The market's going up. the Market's going down. The market's going up a little, a lot. It's about to crash. And once again, when we get away from that, we don't listen to as I talked about in the first hour, the Harry Dents, who for year after year after year after year after year. We don't listen to the Peter Schiffs, the people that are wrong, 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 wrong. World's ending, world's ending, world's ending. Got to buy. Oh, my gosh, look at me. I made money on gold when the market tanked this year. Uh, heroic, heroic, heroic. The Dow Jones Industrial Average at $800 per, or $800, it's not, it's, it sell is at $800. Today's at 36,000 ish. Okay. Gold, 800. Now it's at 2,000. What is there to talk about? Honestly. Honestly. I talked about this last week on the show. I'm sure I will again and again and again but this is a stuff this time of year when everybody gets really loud about how the world is going to end the market's going to crash because please dear god read my article buy my newsletter and you know what sells apparently is not the newsletter that says it's going to be okay buy these dividend paying stocks own stocks for the long term no that doesn't sell the end of the world is coming sells I'm going to remind you of this because I promised I would because it's so super important. $10,000 invested in gold 200 years ago is nominally $28,000 now. 28 Bonds are at 8 million. Those stupid inflation losing bonds are at 8 million. But the great fighter of inflation is at 28000 Stocks, as I said before, are like $8 billion now. I know, it's all made up. It's like not real money, it's fiat currency. But I don't see how you're going to spend your gold flakes at Albertsons for food. I don't understand the arguments, but I understand the fear. I understand the noise. I just don't understand why we keep coming back to the same tired, tired, end of world, doom and gloom. What do you think of that guy that predicted the market's going to crash in 2024? I don't think anything of him. He has been wrong since 2009 where, just like a stopped watch, he was right for a year. But he didn't get you back into the market, so basically he's never been right. Don't worry, he makes lots of money writing articles and pimping gold. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. What do I think of him? Are you serious? Why would I spend one second thinking of him? Why are you spending one second reading articles like that online. Why? How how does it add any clarity at all? At all. And when, when we have all of these lessons in life from the great investors of our time and before our time, they do it better than anyone else. None of them is telling you to go buy gold. Not one. Not one of them is saying the sky is falling. Not one. Not one is making market predictions. Because you don't have to. You just don't have to. Well, how do you build a portfolio? We'll talk about that in in upcoming. We've talked about it many times, but I'm happy to talk about it more. And more, because I think this year is such a classic example. You know, it's such a classic example. When we we kick in and look at how easy this is to take a cup of coffee a day and turn it into $1.1 million in 40 years by investing $5 a day never taking an increase, and watching that grow to $1.1 million in the S&P 500. Not in Google, not in Microsoft. In the Microsofts, yes, and the WorldCom and Enrons, too. In other words, they don't all work, but the market collectively has done that much over 40 years. Imagine if you would have just said, okay, I'll take a cup of coffee a day and as I make more money, I'll do two cups of coffee a day and then three or four. That's what real people do. But you know, it doesn't mean you can't go enjoy a cup of coffee. It just is saying, look, if the coffee's free at work, you just made a choice. I don't want $1.1 million over the next 40 years. I, I don't. That's not what I want. I don't want that. I want to go stand in line at Dutch Bros and get my flipping coffee, okay? That's what I want. Now, I don't care if you have enough money for a cup of coffee and to put a cup of coffee away a day. It all works. Now, why do I keep it this simple? Because it is this simple. That's why. It doesn't need to be complicated. You don't need to make it complex. It's You're less likely to operate a plan and stick to it the more complexity you add. Just don't. Don't trade. And we'll talk more about that the rest of this hour, too. How bad people are at this. And it makes no sense. There's nothing to be bad about. Just leave it alone. Quit overthinking it. Don't be clever by half. You outfox yourself. You outsmart yourself. You turn the easiest thing in the whole wide world because you're so smart. And you realize the economy is weak. And we'll just move here. We'll do this. Instead of just doing the simple things. We all win at this when we leave it alone. It's not hard. It's not hard. But apparently psychologically it can be. And that's why we keep coming back to the basics, right? And here's here's the other thing that's so great about some of the, thinking about what these greats have done. You know? And their wisdom. You just it's just stunning when you think about how many smart things they really come up with observations that they've had and, and, and one of them that always pops in my mind is basically from Peter Lynch but Warren Buffett says it in a different ways people do in different ways so did John Templeton but Peter Lynch talked about having ten baggers meaning something he bought went up tenfold and he always said you have to have a few of those to have a good career you have to have a few of those you don't need a lot. And I, you know you know where I'm going now because those of you who listen, I'm going to tell you that Apple is up 40 fold since they invented the iPhone, not since it IPO'd, not since it was a penny stock, since you had the greatest consumer product in modern history in your hand. If you would have gone, wow, that's really cool, this is amazing, let's go buy Apple stock. It's up 40 fold. But during that time, every quarter when announcements came out or the new iPhone 2, 4, 5, 6 was coming. What did all everybody say? If it wasn't just that they're a hardware company, they don't deserve to sell for this multiple, how many times it was overpriced during this time, how many times the iPhone 5 was not going to be, and nobody's going to spend $1,000 for that. It's not that much better than the 4. And way, oh, and the Samsung flippy flop that blows up, it it even has the button you can push to have it light fire on an airplane. Isn't that cool? Except people didn't like that, and so they actually had to recall it. But it was so much better than Apple. And here we are. So you're always listening to people that are pushing you out, like sell, 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 all the time. Don't. Listen to them. And the more noise you listen to, the more likely you are to succumb to it. Yeah, I know. I don't don't listen to that stuff. Yeah, you do. We all do. We all do. We all do. We all hear it, even when you don't want to hear it. So much news out there. But it always comes back to that 10 baggers. Warren Buffett put it this way. I have had 10 investment decisions in my lifetime that account for almost all of our returns, 10. He actually said 12 decisions. But two of them were personnel. So we're talking about 10 investment decisions over his career that account for the most remarkable outperformance of the market ever seen. And that's Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger's Berkshire Hathaway. Unbelievable returns. Ten of them? Really? That means he's wrong a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. It's okay for us to be wrong a lot. If we have the 40 baggers, if we aren't pulled to out and sell them before they run and run and run and run. John Templeton's talked about it in the way you don't just sell things. You have to have a better idea before you sell, and it better be twice as good. So he knew, because he knew he was going to be wrong a lot. It had to be twice as good. That's what we have to think about. Let them run. Cup of coffee a day. This works. Quit trying other things. Just do it. All of that and more after this. Hello and welcome back. All right, so I, I, I thought this would be fun, and so and Jennifer's always here to help me too, by the way. So Jennifer actually thought it was fun as I was talking to look up and see where the Dow was, if it was at eight hundred, and where it would be now with dividends reinvested, because the index itself does not account for dividends, which is absurd to me. I don't, I just totally don't understand that, because um, everything else is. But the dividend on gold, oh yeah, that's right. It doesn't pay one. Never will because it can't. It produces nothing. So gold is 800 to 2000 nominally now. If you had reinvested the dividends in the past 40 years, which is basically the time frame from 1980, a little over 43 years, are you ready? The Dow Jones Industrial Average was trading at 800. It is now, would be, at $123,000 if you reinvested the dividends. Let me see. Okay, but that's, wait a minute. I I can hear him. I can hear him now telling me, that's just fiat currency. Okay. My gold is uh, store of value. Okay. And that store is $2,000 versus $123,000. that's a pretty small store that's a pretty haggard store compared to the $123,000 out there okay that's why it just we got to sometimes look at this and go it's real it's so real stop overthinking this stop being afraid just stop it just stop it it doesn't make sense Oh, you're just selling your book. No, I'm not just selling my book. I don't care what book we're on. It doesn't make any difference to me if it's real estate, if it's bonds, if it's gold. But gold doesn't work because it doesn't produce anything. And the only reason anybody ever owns it is for fear. Why? Why? Why do we just ignore everything that's happened? I don't understand. I do not understand. All right. So question, right? So if we're going to talk about 10 baggers and you got to find some and so on and so forth, how do you find one? What does that look like? It's a great question, but you're going to have to wait for it because we've got to get back on track. Fox News is next. Welcome back and thank you again for joining us. And by the way, if you um, want to get more information, uh, leave a question with us. We've got uh, articles, calculators to help you with your financial planning, as well as podcasts, which is what we're doing now. So some of you are already on that. I guess we've got 40,000-plus downloads of the podcast over the years, which is really neat. Um, I know that when I'm listening to podcasts, I can listen not some commercial-free. This one is, and, and it really is helpful. So if you like that. But also, don't forget about YouTube. You can also subscribe there. And hit the alerts, so if we do a new one for our clients, you can also get a ding and uh, know that there's a new one up at YouTube as well. Okay? All right, that's PetzalFinancial.com. Now, I just said something. What was that something? How do we find a 10-bagger? That's ah, it's worthless. You can't find 10-baggers. They find you. They find you, actually. What happens is you just end up owning companies that keep working Keep doing things really well. And they just keep working. And then someday you wake up, whether it's the Google you have, the Apple you have, the Microsoft you have, they all, the Amazon, they're up tenfold or 20 or 30fold. The years go by, you get old and you still have them. Okay, so it is. But that's how you have them. They don't happen overnight. NVIDIA is a weird cat it really is it only comes along once in a while and once in a while you get lucky you know you you have a couple bucks that are available and you look around the world but I'm going to tell you how it happens because this is how it's happening right now for many people in in NVIDIA when we think about the last two years this is not this is this is just really back to how important it is to keep your head down and see what the current conditions are okay your head up excuse me and see what the current conditions are, quite, and quit trying to predict. Because here's what all of Wall Street told you last year. You needed to get out of tech stocks, stay out of tech stocks, and I'm talking about October last year. Because w- uniformly, Wall Street and their disgust for the very companies that they loved at the beginning of the year, that were down in some cases 50 60 70%, like Meadow was, literally down that much. And great companies like NVIDIA were down. Great companies that seemed to be like this AI thing was, they seemed to have the only chips that were there for AI. So what happened last October? Same thing that happened. Now, I don't mean last October as in 23, okay? I'm talking about a year before. All these companies were down, and, they were, and you were told not to own Google, Apple, Microsoft, et cetera. All you have to do to wind up someday with some some of those, you don't have to buy individual stocks either. It's okay because those 10 baggers will be in the ETFs. They'll be inside the mutual funds. Don't worry about it. You don't have to go find them, but sometimes they find you. And if you really have the type of brain that says, I want to buy when things are cheap. Don't just say it. You have the type of brain that makes it, you go, aha, stocks are down. I think I ought to buy some. Then you had an opportunity with the greatest corporations in the world that were down an average of 40%. 40. But you know what most people did? You don't own them. You can't own them. I just heard from the J.P. Morgan, Goldman Sachs, Morgan Stanley group that what you don't want to own in a... Rising interest rate environment are high PE ratio stocks like the tech companies, which by the way, turns out to be totally untrue, not just because it didn't it, it worked out the other way this time. it's never true. and that's another segment, so I'm not going to go into it. but this is just what sometimes plays as good information is completely wrong. And I don't mean that it's wrong about the prediction wrong. it's wrong. It's not true. It's not true what they said. Tech stocks do much better, high P.E. ratio, high growth, meaning stocks do better in a rising interest rate environment than the low P.E. dividend payers. Okay, it's just a fact, but it wasn't chirped as a fact. It was just the opposite. So you have an opportunity to buy during that time. NVIDIA even. Which is now up three or four hundred percent. Meta is also up two or three hundred percent. Apple. Just added another trillion of market cap. A trillion, nothing much. No biggie here. Amazon, oh, well, I don't know if I want to do that because it was trading at 100, is now trading at 150. Let's see, that's the one that was, Oh, yeah, that's only a 50% gain. That's kind of a laggard. Let's go on to some of the others. Microsoft, now thought of as one of the greatest benefactors of AI, Stock keeps rocking. Chat GPT people. You see, they find you because they have opportunities to buy them when they go down. And yes, you can go ahead and scour in the smaller cap, mid cap tech range. But you know what? Google's gone up multiples since it IPO'd and it was a multi-billion dollar company, a big cap. So is Apple. When companies roll, they just keep rolling, they can and that's really how these multi-baggers find you. You don't have to find them. They'll find you if you own them. You have the temperance to own them through them. Let me add this real quick, and then we got to take a break. The bad timing, I remind you all this all the time. It's one study after another. The Dalbar study this, the study that. Money, money moving into markets and moving back out, and mutual funds. Bad timing cost mutual fund investors 17% in gains in the past decade, Morningstar says. 17%. That's 170000 per million. Because you know what? We really suck at timing. We're really bad. And some of the numbers are way worse. This must have been a pretty good decade, frankly, if investors only threw away 17%. Sometimes it's worse. We've seen numbers three, four percent a year. It's horrifying. Miss the ten best days, you you miss out on on a huge amount of gains. You miss twenty or thirty days, you miss it all. It's just it's like it's that bad. And by the way, if you think you can miss the just the bad days, you're wrong. The bad days and the good days are right next to each other most of the time. Most of the time. You can't. Can't trade it. Don't quit thinking about it. And the more time you spend in front of that box, digging into things on the internet, checking your account statements, the worse you'll do, I promise, because you're driven to make changes that you shouldn't be doing. We'll be right back. Wow, what a year. I mean, what a year. By the way, thanks for joining us today. This was a fun couple of hours, and we've got a few minutes left to wrap this up, but what a year. It wasn't supposed to be a good year. Came into this year, and the consensus viewpoint was pretty low, super low, really low. It's going to be a negative year. It certainly wasn't going to be an up 40-plus percent tech, meaning NASDAQ, year. 40%. NVIDIA wasn't going to go up 300% this year. No, Meta wasn't going to double this year. No way. Those were sells early in the year. Okay, Wall Street doesn't know the future, and it, nobody does, and you don't need to. What you need to do is buy when things go down, you can trim when they go up, and you need to hold through tough times. You need to make a decision when you're heading into this. What, what, what is my money for? What am I trying to do? And set your expectations accordingly. You can't imagine how people, I, I know it's hard to believe in it, but it is a very small percentage of people, and I, I, I remember this, Okay. So also part of my duties in life right now is to be the club president at Hillcrest. Okay. Well, I have to remind myself periodically that there's a small percentage of people that will never be happy. Period. Period. There are a small percentage of people that are going to slice and dice numbers in their accounts and figure out that they might be below slightly what the S&P did this year. And you have to go, wait a minute. Okay, first of all, one year is an arbitrary 12-month period of time. That's, that's, that's crazy, okay? So be careful with that. It's not that there's anything wrong with your portfolio at all. And let me give you a really tight, narrow example right now before I lose this thought. I had this vi- this visit probably two months ago now with a client, and we talked about a couple, of the, a few of the holdings that really weren't doing very well. We just talked about them. It wasn't anything like, wow, we ought to sell them or whatever. It's just like, you know what? These aren't working right now. But let me tell you, this doesn't make any sense. And it happened to be in the real estate sector. And so I kind of ran down and said, these folks here have 96% occupancy, paying a 6% dividend. I don't care what people say about them. It has nothing to do with see-through office buildings in, in, in San Francisco. Nothing to do with that. Neither does this one over here that does logistics. But they're not moving. That was two months ago last two months, they both moved 30%. I mean, like, boom. You can be wrong in this period of time and then suddenly you're right. But but do we take that two months and go, woo, smoking good. We're so smart. No, we were wrong for this short period of time. Now we're right for this short period of time. That's how it works. Sometimes you're wrong, 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 right. And now everything looks fine over that period. And remember, as we said before, you don't have to be right on everything. If you own Apple, you can have a whole bunch of beyond meats in your portfolio. I know that's a real company. It's really not my proudest moment, OK? So it's just not the greatest company out there. But at the same time, is it? I mean, it's a fraction. And so we're talking about this with this other holding that is just not doing anything. I said, well, fortunately, it's this tiny, tiny fraction of what people have. So take your eyeballs off of it. Why, why do you want to walk around miserable all the time? I mean, seriously. Guess what? Life is full of errors and mistakes, and in our world, you're wrong way more than you're right, and that's okay. It depends kind of, sort of how you define it. So when you're thinking about your and setting your expectations, if your try, if your expectation is have income for life, cost of living adjusted that you can't outlive no matter how long you live, that is your objective. It flippin doesn't matter what the market does. It matters that your li- your income is growing. Keep your eyes on what's important, not what's unimportant, not what's distracting, not what fills up your brain with with angst and and worry and fear. Get that off your shoulders. What is my objective? What is my objective? Cost of living, adjusted income, all the days of my life that I can't outlive no matter how long me and my bride are alive. Then quit wondering how you're doing compared to the S&P 500, which is not what you're doing. It makes no sense. None. All it can do is then cause you to feel like, maybe I need to chase returns in this area or that area. Sell some things just because they're a little bit behind. And then you miss that 30% catch-up move. Happens all the time. All the time. So don't do that. So we have to set expectations correctly. We have to think about what it is we're trying to do. What is this money for? And then then not be caught up in the day-to-day turmoil. Things don't work all together collectively. You know, one of the things we think of from time to time is okay, this is frightening. Everything in this portfolio is working really well. Apparently, it's not diversified correctly. Seriously. Now, we're happy that it's a happy thing, but what do we need to do? Where do we need to trim? It's doing a little too good right now. Or the inverse. What's going on over here? Oh, it's diversified. The real estate part wasn't working, now it is. Okay, what won't work next year? I don't know, I don't have to predict, except to say some stuff won't, it won't. I don't know if it'll be the tech piece, but if the tech piece isn't working, I'm a buyer. I'm gonna, I'm gonna add, I'm gonna add more. That's, what, that's how the 10-packers find you. You just keep owning stocks, they find you. They keep performing, it's okay. It works out, you don't have to trade. And when you do, you just have to be honest with yourself. I like the action. I like the action. I like to gamble. Oh, I'm not gambling. I'm investing. No, you like the action. It's okay. Because if you really were an investor, you'd say, I want to be more like Warren Buffett. That's an investor I want to be like. I wonder how many shares of Apple he sold this week. Last year, he probably looked at that analyst report that came across telling him it was way overpriced not going to do very good a couple of years ago. The iPhone 14 isn't going to be what they thought it would be. I know there's a million reasons not to. And there's a lawsuit. And they're in China. And China's not doing well. And you know, it just make it up. Just keep making it up. But when we have all that clutter in our head, it does make us want to think about selling our great holdings. Nothing wrong. Believe me, we sell way more Apple here than we buy. Okay? Why? Why? Because the gains have gotten to be so big that sometimes you have to trim, literally. You, you know, you've got to move from 7% of the portfolio down to 6 or 5 sometimes. you got to take that, especially if what is our objective? Let me see. Oh, yeah, our objective is cost of living, adjusted income, all the days of our life that we can't outlive. That's our objective, and it didn't change, so therefore we need money once in a while. Why not take it out of a 40-bagger? a little bit. It's not selling all. And then it grows up again. We might trim some more. It has nothing to do with making an all or nothing valuation claim on it. But when we think about these things, we talk about them nonstop. Why? Because it works. The basics work. They work for everyone. I want everyone to be rich. And so if you put away a cup of coffee a day and you start young enough, You haven't done anything. It's almost like this is made up, isn't it? Don't you have to like, sometimes I really do. I like go, am I living in some kind of weird parallel universe where I get rich doing nothing? That's weird. This is like really weird. I mean, it's like I can't show up at the company. I don't have to do anything. I just have to buy the whole thing called capitalism, free markets, and put a little money in. And I get rich? Yeah. No requirement? Yeah, sit on your hands. Do nothing, please. The requirement actually is to sit on your hands and do nothing. That's the requirement. And yet we get caught up in this world of a nonstop. What did you think of that article that Harry Dent thinks the market's crashing? Part 33. By the way, that'd be 33 years in a row. I mean, goodness gracious. It's just, what do I think? I think he's an idiot. And I think you have to question... Why in the world would you read that? What are you on? Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Sit down, relax, see your grandkids, something to chill out. And remember, this is just, this is not the first time. 17% of gains are lost in the last decade, says Morningstar. Dalbar says 23% this period of time. It's always true. It's always true. We're just human beings, and we're not built to do this right. So relax. Know it. Don't overthink it and quit thinking you're smarter than you are and that you know the future because you don't know the future at all. I hope you have a tremendous 2024, and we will talk to you again next week. Thanks for tuning in.